This is Sacred Tension, the podcast about the discipline of asking questions. My name is Stephen Bradford Long. If you are new to this show, it is where we try to have compassionate and compelling conversations about challenging subjects. And we try to do so kindly and winsomely. We cover subjects like Satanism, Marxism, LGBT issues, and everything in between. And I have to thank my patrons. My patrons are my personal lords and saviors, and I truly could not do this show without them, especially lately, because, you know, expenses of living have been pretty high for me over the past few months, just challenges with my house, with doing repairs, my car is like blowing apart every other month, it feels like. So, you know, being an adult is fucking expensive. So, Every little bit helps, and for this week, I have to thank June, Jonathan, Miley, JP, and Chopra. Thank you so much. I also need to thank everyone who upgrades their monthly giving, their, their monthly pledge. If you are able to do just $1, that is a lot for me in the long run. That all adds up. And for anyone who upgrades to a higher amount, Thank you so much. Also, if you haven't already, go to my Discord server. There's a link in the show notes. It's a really cool community, and most of the conversation about my content, be it the blog or the podcast, takes place on the Discord server. So if an episode intrigues you and you want to engage in the conversation, if there's a really cool guest that you enjoyed and you want to talk about it, go to the Discord server, and that's where the conversation is happening. In general, I'm trying to take my presence off of big social media. And by that, I mean Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I still use those services just like everyone else because I have to. But in terms of community, I'm really trying to redirect people away from those services and towards more intimate and secure, smaller spaces that are safer and more reliable for content creators. So please check out my Discord server. Also, subscribe to my newsletter. I try to write an article every single week and you will get the podcast and the article in your inbox like a serial killer who will just never die no matter how many times you hit him in the face with an axe. He just keeps coming. All right, with all of that out of the way, I'm delighted to welcome Elder Mahakala to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. That last line got me. <laughs> I'm so glad. <laughs> Listen, I, have, I say I have said some variation of that intro over 200 times now. And so I, each time I try to make it at least a little interesting. That, and you rang my bell. I'm, I'm all about true crime. And oh, good. I'm so glad. I used to write to serial killers. And <laughs> well, maybe we should talk all about that instead. Um, but tell us some about who you are and what you do. Yeah, well, like you said, my name uh, is Elder Mahakala. I'm official minister of Satan with TST. I am also a meditation teacher. I guess I'll even come out. I'll say I'm an empowered Buddhist teacher. Amazing. <laughs> So uh, I don't think there's too many of those uh, uh, TST ministers and, and, and Buddhist teachers. That's but, true. That is uh, a very small Venn diagram, I have to say. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't know if I get a ribbon for that. Or you should, <laughs> definitely. A black sash. <laughs> uh, you know, and um, I'm in recovery, uh, vegan. I, 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 we're gonna, I guess we're going to talk about my past a little bit. So, you know, I'm Absolutely. Uh, somebody that has experienced religious abuse. And in my adult life, I like working with others in this realm, you know, whether it's meditation, whether it's recovery, whether it's religious abuse. Yeah. You know, your life and your expertise kind of hits all of my fascinations. You know, one of my biggest fascinations is contemplative practice. And one of my goals for the show is to really delve into that subject a lot more this year in 2023 because it it's maybe one of the most important skills that I feel like I have ever developed. I consider meditation up there with like reading and writing for me as just one of the most essential skills that I've ever learned. And of course, you're a minister of Satan and you're in recovery, all things that I'm super passionate about. So 
So where did this journey start for you? Tell us some about your childhood. I know you mentioned that you were raised in the Jehovah's Witnesses. Let's start there, and and let's just go through this through this story with you. Yeah. So uh, I was born into it. So there's there it's kind of within the ex Jehovah's Witness world. There's a very there's a big difference between people that were brought into it later that maybe lived a regular life and celebrated holidays previously and then became Jehovah's Witnesses and had all that taken away. Mm. But I was born into it. So, uh, you know, I never, I I grew up, I never celebrated a birthday. I never celebrated holidays. Um, I was very much uh, asked to remove myself from the world. Um, I'm doing air quotes here at the world. (laughs) I, I, a lot of Jehovah's Witnesses go, you know, they're homeschooled, so they don't go to regular school. But I, I was uh, made to go to regular school, but then I had to have all these rules placed on me. So I had to remove myself from the the classroom when we were doing like Christmas projects or you know singing, you know, learning songs about, you know, uh, even even um, national and political uh, things. You know, mm. we we had to remove ourselves that much from the world. We we went to school just the 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 bare minimum legal amount and then and then the rest of the time we were we were supposed to go knock on doors and 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 you know uh preach the 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 truth as they called it the that's jehovah's witnesses is it it is christian um but it is it, it 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 checks most of the boxes for cults it is very it's narcissistic and in, in that they drill it in your head that they're the only true religion and every other even all the christian sects and, and denominations are all but not just wrong but they're 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 of the devil you know satan is is tricking the world with you know all these these different religions and and you know the governments and all that kind of stuff so yeah um narcissistic delusional for sure and 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 i and I don't know how much of it was Jehovah's Witness or how much of it was my parents, but repression was the thing that was modeled to me growing up. Just don't talk about anything real. Just shove it down. Pretend like everything's okay. Put a smile on your face. Boys don't cry. You know, all, all that kind of stuff. And, of course, and you know, and if I got out of line, Jehovah's Witnesses are very uh, pro-spanking. <laughs> They're pro-strict discipline uh corporal punishment so mm-hmm. i i got the hell beat out of me growing up you know and yeah so that was it was hard you know I, I went to regular school i wanted to be a regular kid and i had regular friends you know i had friends in the neighborhood and everything and i went out of my way to prove to them that i wasn't a jehovah's witness so that meant i i tried to get everybody's attention i tried to be ba- i tried to be more bad than the rest of the kids i i used drugs and alcohol quicker than most of my friends um just <laughs> a, a, as a way to definitely to prove that it wasn't a jehovah's witness to them but also just to escape the misery that i was in you know the, the environment that i grew up in mm. and then in the jehovah's witness thing and around my parents i had to pretend like i was a good jehovah's witness and you know uh, and what that equaled was i was never authentically me and and you know and and that definitely caused uh, was was a, a huge cause of my the suffering that i experienced in my life the dis satisfaction the the stress that i experienced so you know i mean i i found i found alcohol pretty early on i found i found drugs pretty early on and i did them as much as i could it wasn't a whole lot in middle school or high school but you know when when it was on it was on (laughs) and um when i got to like 18 years old and it was my time to well I got to 18 years old and things were just getting worse and worse. You know, I, I, I got in trouble for sleeping with my girlfriend at the time. You know, that that's, what's the term? Uh, premarital sex is against the the rules with Jehovah's So I got, you know, I got in trouble for drinking. I got in trouble for, for having sex with my girlfriend. I, I actually got, got baptized when I was, I think, 17 years old. That's something in Jehovah's Witnesses. You, you need to be old enough to decide for yourself. And unfortunately, with Jehovah's Witnesses, there's little kids that get, you know, they're like eight years old, 10 years old, getting, uh, you know, baptized, saying that they decided themselves and just, you know, their their parents (laughs) forced them to do it. But uh, I I did it when I was 17. That's a whole nother story why it it took me a little bit longer. But uh, six months after I 
got baptized is when I got in trouble for drinking and trouble for sleeping with my girlfriend. And after that, it was like, forget it. I'm, <laughs> I'm moving out of my house. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't want to live this life anymore. And, you know, and that's when, once I left and I left the religion and I, and I did, I, w- I was forced to disassociate myself, which they wanted to f- forcibly kick me out. They call it in Jehovah's witness thing. They call it, um, disfellowshipping, like excommunication. I didn't want to give them the dissatisfaction. So I said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to remove myself. And, and so they, they found a, a loophole. I didn't have to go meet with them, but over the phone, I told two of the elders that that's part of why I, 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 my Satanism is elder Mahakala, <laughs> taking the power back of that term, that, that bullshit patriarchal false, you know, uh, that is what I call transcendent blasphemy <laughs> yeah. in, in one of my articles, blasphemy <laughs> that allows you to like rise above religious trauma and heal yeah. from it. Yeah. I, I love that article. Cause it, again, that resonated so much with me and, and, and escaping that religion blasphemy and Satanism is, was, was a big part of, uh, you know, my healing journey from that. Um, and, and, and self-empowerment as well, you know? So, after I left that, I did fairly quickly. I found Church of Satan. Um, I I was trying to, and I don't know. I don't know if it was even so conscious, but I was really going out of my way to find the, all the extreme things that I could find. You know, uh, drugs and alcohol, hallucinogens, sex. Uh, you know, this is the late '80s, early '90s. So uh, you know, I was I was real big into like trading um, hardcore and illegal. Uh, VHS tapes <laughs> all over the world with with people <laughs> uh, writing the serial killers, which would include Richard Ramirez. I, I probably cultivated the deepest relationship with. He, he used to call me at my house, collect from from you know San Quentin uh, up until he died, actually. So yeah, I was I was just you know I was into I was into killers, I was into death, I was into Satan. Uh, I was angry, you know. I, I I I hated the way I was raised. I hated the restrictions that were placed on me. I was even right after high school, I moved to Florida uh, from California, from Southern California and Florida. I mean, that was huge culture shock. The The Bible Belt thing. I know Florida's Bible Belt light, but it's still a Southern California guy, you know, moving to where Southern Baptists are. And even the Jehovah's Witnesses were way more hardcore there. Uh, I, I just I fucking hated religion. I hated Christianity. I, 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 I hated everything. I hated myself. You know, so the drugs and alcohol thing just got, you know, worse and worse and worse. I also, uh, at that same time, when I, I, I really jumped into the whole, the, the Church of Satan thing, I just, I was also the death metal scene in, in, in Tampa, Florida, that area. I was just south of Tampa. You know, I was real big into that scene. Were and, you ever around um, early Marilyn Manson and the spooky kids, by the way? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've seen, I don't know how many times I've seen Marilyn Manson and just yeah. dinky little clubs in Florida. Yeah, that, that, was his, that was his scene way back in the day in the uh, yeah. 80s and 90s, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the, the band Atheist. Um, mm-hmm. My friend Kelly's the singer of, of, of Atheist, so yeah, there's a lot of blasphemy in Florida. <laughs> but it's the whole yin and yang thing, right? You know, if you have that many... The evangelicals and the born agains, you have you also have that many strip clubs and 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 blasphemy and and Satan and and also serial killers. There's more serial killers out of Florida than most other uh, states in the in the country. Yeah, you know, I, at the same time, I did I was turned on to uh, Buddhism uh, by one of my punk rock friends, my my friend Brad, and and that was something I, I read my first Zen Buddhist book and 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 the meditation part the the religious aspect the ritual part that didn't interest me at all but the meditation part really did resonate with me i i also was i i I didn't have a teacher through that period and i was i had a lot of misconceptions about meditation and i thought i was miserable at meditation for a long (laughs) time (laughs) was there a particular tradition that you were first drawn to well, it, yeah, it was it was Japanese Zen. Only my friend okay. Brad was a Japanophile, but yeah, you know. So I had I got exposed to Satanism, and you know, of course, it was Church of Satan, and that really spoke to the anger and the hate in me, and also the debauchery. You know, the whole you know, uh, do without, do what thou wilt. That whole thing about you know indulgence and and and, and debauchery. That that was self empowering. That was that was my way of of you know finding my way of, of becoming my, my own person. You know, unfortunately, um, there's there's 
repercussions for that. <laughs> you know, and um, I, who, you know, I moved back to California in, in like 96. You know, I got into the, the clothing world for a while and, and started making really good money. And, um, and my, the, the owner of the clothing that I work for, which the name, the name of the company was actually Serial Killer Inc. <laughs> So, <laughs> I wonder how I ended up there. Consistent <laughs> theme. But uh, the the owner of it, and and he's dead now. His best friend was a coke dealer. So now I'm, I'm back in L.A. and I'm, I'm uh, some of my early friends in in L.A. were all in the porn scene, and so I was hanging out with people in porn and still writing to Richard Ramirez and and you know getting more and more into drugs and making more and more money. So. I never really suffered the traditional repercussions of, of I, I kind of, you know, and when I was going to AA, I used to say I, I, I never lived the country song. You know, I never, I never lost my job or lost my truck or lost my wife or my dog. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I did, you know, looking back now, I progressively, you know, my, my use got worse and worse and worse and everything that went along with that, you know, the lying, the cheating, the, the, and just the the misery that compounded my my misery and and the the relationship I had with myself was just so poor uh, and and you know and it really just it got to a a, a breaking point um, you know I, I was I, I was I was married and I had a couple kids and I and I had no idea how to be a husband and father when I first got married and I I you know made a lot of mistakes in those first few years you know I found myself. This was 15 years ago. I found myself in Las Vegas for work for my company. Um, I had a distribution company at the time, and I made all the promises in the world. I'm, I'm you know, I'm not bringing drugs here this time. <laughs> no, I'm here on business. And literally the first night I was there, I ended up with like a, a, a huge rock of cocaine, which I did the rest of that week. But I also my my buddy that that came with me that he he was like my what was the doctor's name to a uh, Hunter S. Thompson in, in oh, uh, goodness. Fear and Loathing. You had that guy with you. <laughs> yeah. He was yeah. your, I'm trying to remember. Actually, I have, I'm looking at Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas right now. It's on my bookshelf. <laughs> I could, I would look it up, but I, but yeah, he, you so, had that yeah, guy. Buddy, you, you had my, your enabling, my, you had your enabler yeah. doctor with you. He, he brought, you know, he, he brought <laughs> weed. He bought, he brought uh, mushrooms. He had Altoids with acid dripped on it, <laughs> but in the middle of that coke bender, I ate a bunch of mushrooms, and I'm a big fan of hallucinogens and, and plant medicine. And you know, I never really had a bad trip, which is amazing. Just the amount of trauma I've had in my life, I, I'm really surprised that I've not had a horrendous trip on on hallucinogens. But I've had uncomfortable ones, and that was was uncomfortable. In the middle of that coke bender, I ate a bunch of mushrooms. Had it was uncomfortable, but it was. I came out of that trip with the clearest insight that I had to stop doing everything. Up until that point, for probably about 10 years up to that point, I knew I had a problem with cocaine, but I didn't drink every day and I didn't smoke pot every day. I didn't think I had a problem with the lesser uh, you know, stuff, but I, I knew I had a problem with hard, hard drugs. And that mushroom trip gave me the clearest insight that I had to stop doing everything. If Even when I was just a little bit drunk or stoned, and cocaine or heroin or meth or whatever would show up, I would make really bad decisions. So that was that was the big turning point. It was it was you know it was mushrooms. It was plant medicine. It, I knew I had to do whatever it it took to get sober and stay sober, and and that was it. I haven't touched cocaine wow. since then. Um, I haven't I haven't drank anything since then. Um, I haven't smoked anything. Uh, uh, that got me high. <laughs> I, I have gotten unintentionally stoned a couple times. <laughs> Listen, it happens. Maybe we, maybe, it, it happens maybe. to the best of us. It, that's unavoidable sometimes. Like, <laughs> uh, uh, edibles, man. <laughs> I, I, I had a couple gummies, and and uh, they were they were supposed to be not medicated, and they were so. Okay, um, listen, yeah. gummy story. So Delta Eight is legal in North Carolina, and I tried some, and I was at an abandoned theme park at the top of a mountain in North Carolina, surrounded by like trees and giant mushrooms, just 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 high as fuck having the in, in like 
literal wonderland in this abandoned theme park. It had actually just been reopened and it made me manic. And I got home and and when it finally like cleared the next day because it took like all day and all night to clear for me when it finally I was like, I am never fucking doing that ever again. I am not the kind of person whose brain can handle that. It was not a good experience. That, I mean, edibles always take, the, the high takes so long. It takes I've, so I, long and you keep oh. being like, I don't feel it. I'm going to have another one. <laughs> yeah, 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 that too. Yeah, it sneaks up on it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's where I'm at these days. I, it's just easy for me. I could probably get away with getting high. I could probably drink and I get away with it. But I, I just know myself and it's easier if I abstain, you know, I have way more. And, and it's because of my meditation practice. You know, I, I know that I, I'm clearly aware of what's going on in my body and my mind. And, and if I'm feeling uncomfortable, if I'm feeling anxious, if I'm feeling loopy, you know, that, that doesn't feel good. I, I like, I like feeling grounded in my body. I like feeling calm. Uh, I think so. that that is what you just said right there is maybe one of the greatest benefits of meditation. You know, the meditation is so often marketed as having health benefits. And there are. I mean, of course, it helps you relax. It improves focus. It can improve sleep. It can do all that stuff. But that isn't the point. They are awesome. It helps. But the point, for me, of meditation is what Socrates said, know thyself, which is why I see it as important as reading or writing. It's like reading and writing helps us understand the world around us. Meditation helps us understand ourselves and our own bodies and our own minds. Yeah. You know, for me, and and I guess this kind of goes along where, where my story's at, you know, when I decided to get sober, I, tr- I tried all the non-theistic, I tried all the secular stuff. And, and at, you know, in 2007, I just couldn't find any, all the, anything alternative to 12-step that had a strong support system, you know? Mm-hmm. So I reluctantly found my way to AA and men's AA specifically. I found a, a, a group I felt comfortable in. I found some books about a Buddhist approach to the 12 steps. So a non-theistic approach to the 12 steps, you know, without a higher power, without turning it over, that turning it over bullshit and, 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 you know, and all of that. So I really, you know, I, I had already been meditating for a while, but I really dove into my meditation practice when I got sober. And so for me, the the healing process of that was, med- it was meditation specifically, was the thing that helped me change my relationship to myself. You know, up until that point, I spent my whole life hating myself. I, I spent my whole life in my head uh, just judging everything that I did and said. You know, and just on repeat over and why the fuck did I say that? Or why didn't I do that? Like, what's what's wrong with me? Like, oh, I should have done this. And meditation was the thing that really showed me clearly, brought me the, you know, the, the clear insight. I had that clear insight with mushrooms that I had to get sober. But meditation was the thing that showed me that I was the biggest cause of my misery. I was the one that was beating the hell out of myself. You know, I, I, I certainly had horrible... Uh, you know, I, I was abused as a kid and I was in a, a toxic relationship at the time and, and, and all that. But, but despite the, the worst stuff that happened to me externally, internally, I did even more damage. I did even more harm to myself. And, and so I saw it clearly through meditation. And then it was through meditation that I was able to change that relationship. And, you know, um, and yeah, it's taken a lot of work, but I, I honestly, meditation, when, when people ask me what I got out of my, my practice, if it didn't save my life, it probably did save my life. But if it didn't save my life, it's at the very least, it saved my sanity. For sure. For sure. I, 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 I relate to that completely. Yeah. Yeah. If, if, I, didn't, if I didn't get sober and, and get deep into my meditation practice, I, I don't know how many more years I could have taken of that misery. You know, yeah. that, that fucking just that that internal warfare was maddening. Now, at this point, were you still mostly engaged in Japanese Zen or or had it moved on to a to another tradition or a pastiche of traditions? I'm, I'm trying to think, but probably about three years before I got sober, maybe four years. I my my ex and I found ourselves just randomly. We found ourselves with a therapist that was part of a whole program 
that was essentially it was Zen based therapy. And and they didn't they didn't pro, they didn't promote it as that, <laughs> but it was it was really big on mindfulness. But it was the 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 woman who started it was was a Zen practitioner, and so you know I I, I definitely you know in California I found some groups I had some friends that were that were part of some SGI groups uh, you know I was I was I, but chanting really wasn't for me I didn't that that felt religious to me, so when uh, when I did get sober that was really about the same time, somebody had turned me on to a insight meditation or, you know, the Theravada tradition, mm-hmm. tradition of the elders. <laughs> you see, the there we go. <laughs> see, the dots are connecting. <laughs> but yeah, so that, that spoke to me a little bit more. That was, that, that always felt the, tra- the, the insight tradition always felt a little more secular than the rest of the traditions. You know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's the oldest without all the added stuff through the years. And so that's the one that really, spoke to me at that time. And that's the one that I'm still practicing, you know, because it's just, it's offered me that much more and is just a better fit for me. But, you know, for some people, they like the more devotional stuff. So they like the Mahayana stuff or even Tibetan stuff, you know, like some people like to chant and some people like the, you know, I like to just sit and meditate. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you there. And um, so when you say that you're an empowered Buddhist teacher, what does that mean? Yeah, so you know, I ended up moving to Portland, Oregon, with my ex and my daughters uh, when they were you know older. They were in high school at that that time, and uh, and I hooked up with a community up there, uh, Portland Insight Meditation Community. And you know, I I just I plugged in. I, the the guiding teacher there is just a a, a wonderful friend of mine, and uh, and he's just he has a lot of fun with it. You know, I don't I don't know if you could tell if, if you didn't know me and you heard this. I laugh a lot. I like to have fun with stuff. And I, you know, I found a community and I found a teacher that, that shared that same kind of approach to, to all this stuff. And, and, uh, he took me under his wing and he empowered me to teach. And it was over a plate of veggie lasagna, <laughs> lasagna. Perfect. <laughs> I kept bugging him about, about teaching. <laughs> and he finally told me to put down my, 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 uh, my fork and my knife. And he grabbed my hands and he looked over the table. He's like, this is what my teacher did. Uh, and he and he looked at me in the eyes and he said, "My my son, go forth and teach." Yeah. And, and then we went back to eating lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's fantastic. Um, and now you know. Fast forward to the Satanic Temple. What I find really interesting here is that religion can be healthy and unhealthy, right? Yeah. And any and ideologies and 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 philosophies can be healthy and unhealthy. And it sounded like early on you engaged with what I would describe as an unhealthy form of satanism is what it seemed like at the time Absolutely. if you would yeah. describe it that way. I would I would describe that too. Yeah. 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 And when people think Satanism, that's what they think. They think the unhealthy indulgence, not saying that indulgence is in and of itself bad, but there is an unhealthy form of it, right? And that, But that's what people think, is the hatred and the overindulgence and so on and so forth. Now you're back, but it is to a healthy Satanism. Yeah. And, you know, and I was one of those people too. I, you know, I, I had my experience before and I had, I actually, I, I got connected to Lucian a long time ago, you know, before he was Lucian. Amazing. <laughs> and, and the whole, the underground zine, the whole underground art thing, uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. we had a, we had a mutual friend and, you know, so when, when TST first popped up on my radar because of our mutual friend and, and friend is, that might be going a little too far with the, this person I'm speaking about. Acquaintance, <laughs> but this well, um, there's more than an acquaintance. But but uh, yeah, uh, one but of those person, complicated people that we've all had in life. Yeah, we've all had they, they, one of those people yeah, in our lives. But this yes. this person was connected to Church of Satan, okay. and then so when TST started, I thought that there was still a, a, a big connection to the Church of Satan, and so. I just kind of wrote it off for a long time. And, you know, it wasn't until really even when, when the movie came out, when, when you know, um, uh, Hail Satan question mark came out, you know, I saw that. I loved it. I loved, I loved what, you know, er, you know everything that was going on. Uh, but I still was, I, I still had that kind of association in my head. 
and I and I held off. And the 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 thing that brought me in was Sober Faction, TST Sober. You know the 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 Sober Faction campaign of the Satanic Temple that had been popping up on my radar a lot. I was really involved with non-theistic Buddhist recovery. I even helped start a program. That, that's a whole nother story. I helped start a program. It, there, there was a lot of drama with that. There was a, there was a court case, the whole thing. And, and it wasn't, I, I, I had nothing to do with it. Even Buddhists have drama. Yeah, but it broke my heart, <laughs> yeah, you know? Of course, yeah. And, and, and so I had to walk away from that whole thing for a while and I went back to 12 step. But, you know, again, as, a, as, a, as an atheist, as a non-theist, I don't believe in half the steps. So I was really, I, was, I, I loved the, the group that I was in, but like, I, you know, I just, I knew I needed something else. And, you know, again, it took me a while. I knew about Sober Faction. And when I, when I finally was like, you know what, I'll, I'll check it out. What the hell? And, I, and I, I went to my very first meeting and I was sold. I, you know, reading about the, the, the mixture of the tenants and the rituals for the program that, that have been created. And then, and then seeing how the, the meetings are facilitated and the, the community that, that w- was even in that first meeting I went to, it felt truly inclusive and welcoming and you know and 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 as i got to know it more and more the way that sober faction has uh evolved i really think you know those those other buddhist recovery programs that i was a part of it's it's what they want to be you know the the you know to be that inclusive and that welcoming to to all sorts of people regardless of you know gender or, or sexual identity or, or anything like that yeah superfaction is just it's it's you know it's a pretty special community so you know i i, I plugged into that you know I, I got to know tst more and more and i plugged into my you know my my local um congregation that you know uh tst socal and i'm in the the los angeles division of, of that and yeah just between my the the congregation i'm in and then sober faction these people are living a healthy satanic path. Yes, uh, there's just no disputing that. You know, there that people can claim all different things, and you can have all this written this written stuff, and you know, but but to see it embodied and, and played out in in person, that's what sold me. Me too. No, me too. I, you know, when I read the tenets, and then the first people that I encountered in the Satanic Temple were Pinamu and Shalice Blythe mm-hmm. and I was oh, and Sarah uh, Sarah Ponto Rivera as well and I was just so impressed by their integrity and it was just so evident to me that that they were just people of enormous integrity who I really admired. And I, you know, I work with both of them now. I work with both Penamu and Shalice, and I still just have such respect for them. And so I'm with you and seeing how the community imperfectly but continuously strives to live the seven tenets. It's just you know, really, really powerful. And you mentioned the seven rituals of sober faction. I want to take a moment to read these out real fast because they're just beautiful. So the seven rituals are the process. How would you describe the seven rituals, by the way, in sober faction? It's a, <laughs> I want to use a Buddhist term. Please do. <laughs> it's a, Please do. It's a, pro- it's a process of purification. <laughs> yes. And for, it is, for it Buddhist, is truly a process of healing. They will Absolutely. know what that means. <laughs> of, it's a process of healing and empowering. Mm, absolutely. To, so, to find freedom from addiction. Number one, in our suffering, we had a moment of clarity. We realized that we had lost ourselves and recognized addiction as our adversary. That sounds like your mushroom trip, by the way. When that, oh, yeah. that was that moment where you realized with just complete clarity that addiction was your enemy and that you just had to go with zero substances for the rest of your life. And then step two, we decided our will and authority over ourselves would be reborn through adopting a new way of life. And that also sounds like what happened there as well just the decision to be you know to rise from the ashes like the phoenix and create a a new life a a new lifestyle a new self 
Three, we made a commitment to take responsibility for our own actions in the past, present, and future, focusing only on what we could control. Four, we acknowledged behaviors and patterns of thinking that we found to be unacceptable or unhealthy. Five, upon acknowledging these facets of ourselves, we began the practice of continual introspection and mindfulness. Six, we continuously strive toward self-actualization, seeking knowledge on our path to act and respond ethically and responsibly in all things. Seven, after following this path, we recognize our own self-growth and sought to point the way to those who are suffering. It's beautiful. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. It's gorgeous. Hail Lilith. So, you know, and I see so much of your journey in in these steps, in in these rituals, and I see so much of my story as well in in these rituals. I was never an addict, but I've had, you know, my own, like we all do, you know, my own list of neuroses and and knots of suffering that just contorted my life, pulled me into their gravitational pull. And these rituals are kind of a a spiritual and contemplative practice. There's, it's just incredibly powerful. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm from the belief system that, you know, the drugs and the alcohol or the process addiction, you know, the, the sex, the gambling, you know, those are those are not the main problems. Those are just symptoms. Right. The greater problem that we need to figure out is why are we driven to these substances and these behaviors to pull us out of the moment, to pull us out of our feelings and our and our thoughts? And, and that's really what everything that we've been talking about, this 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 satanic path that we're this healthy satanic path that we're on now is about cultivating the clarity to see that and then empowering ourselves to find a, a, a clear way out of that with community. You know, we don't have to do this. That's the beautiful thing. You know, we don't have to do this alone. We have this this beautiful, diverse, thriving community that, you know, helps us with compassion, empathy, uh, you know, uh, acknowledging that we're all fallible, you know, uh, including ourselves, <laughs> have, you know, being rude in this. That's the other thing about sober faction is that it is science-based, you know, that, that it, it's not, you know, there's no, none of this airy fairy stuff. So, you know, I have this really big interest in the role that contemplative practice and meditation can play within Satanism. I feel like a lot of the components of personal religious practice, or however you might want to put it, personal satanic practice, we'll say, a lot of those components are already really strong, like rational thinking. We've got that most of the time, imperfectly because we're human beings and human beings struggle with rationality. But, you know, there's the big emphasis on rationality, scientific thinking within Satanism. There's also the ritual magic component where, you know, Satanism's background comes from the lineage of people like, you know, first, of course, Anton LaVey, but Aleister Crowley and Eliphas Levy and Madame Blavatsky and all of those, you know, nutcases. I love all of them. They're completely insane. But so we have that really strong ceremonial magic component. And of course, modern Satanists and TST Satanists incorporate that to varying degrees into our Satanism in a non-supernaturalist sense. I feel like an area that could use just a ton of exploration is what does Satanic contemplative practice look like, right? What does a Satanic meditation practice look like? And I consider my personal meditation practice deeply Satanic, but I'm curious to hear how Satanism and your own meditation practice might fuse together? Well, I didn't have to jump through any mental hoops for this one. <laughs> I didn't have to, I didn't have to do any mental gymnastics to kind of, you know, fit my contemplative meditative path into this path. The first tenet of, of TST is, is about empathy and, and compassion. Yes. And, and I, and although I didn't have the intention of cultivating compassion and empathy when I first started to meditate, I just I just wanted to find meditation to 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 cultivate some more peace. You know, I had such inner turmoil. I wanted to I wanted I wanted more peace. 
Uh, and what I found was that I started to cultivate kindness and compassion towards myself and in, and in turn others. And so just, just that aspect, you know, you know, a lot of the people that I meet within TST are disillusioned with the rest of the world. You know, that's it. We're, we're finding a community that, uh, you know, we're a bunch of misfits and, and outcasts and, and um, you know, and there is a lot of anger and there's, there's a lot of um, dissatisfaction. And so, you know, I know just firsthand experience, I know that, uh, you know, coming from that background, coming with that much, you know, hate and anger and, and dissatisfaction uh, that my contemplative practice, my, my meditation practice uh, was able to remedy all of that way more than I ever imagined was possible. Mm. So, you know, that's, that, you know, and, and also the other thing about, you know, with, with Satanism, and I think you were kind of referring to this, you know, the, for sure, the more that we meditate, the more that we see things clearly. You know, we, we view the world through this lens of conditioning, you know, we, with the, especially our early childhood years. You know, we have a very skewed way of looking through the world. You know, this, we're, we're looking at, at the world through this lens of trauma and, and you know, all this modeled and imprinted behaviors and, and, and coping mechanisms that we, we've cultivated along the, the, the years. And through meditation, we start to see through this lens. We start to see through our, we, we start to just, we, first we see the lens. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm viewing the world through, you know, some, some pretty traumatic eyes. And, and, and then we start to, to start to heal that, start to see through that. And so that just helps everything. You know, if, if, depending on what we want to do, if we want to be stronger in the community, if we want to, if, uh, you know, I know a lot of people come to TST and with the intention of being activists and TST is not a activist organization. There are campaigns that we do, but you know, not, not that that's not the, the, you know, day in, day out satanic path for, for most of us. But, but if that is something you want to do, that clarity helps you figure out where do you really want to place your energy? What really matters to you the most? What, where do you think you can be most effective with the, the, your, your time and energy, you know, and, and just, and that just plays out with so many other things as well. Yeah. And, you know, Pinamu years ago in one of the first episodes that I did with him describes, he described Satanism as a carnal religion and not carnal as in kinky sex, although maybe for some people, uh, which is great, but, you know, carnal as in this is a religion of the body. This is a religion of the material, and it is a focus on the material conditions, the here and now. There is, we don't know what happens after we die. I am not a, a hard atheist or anti-theist, so I'm, I'm more on the agnostic side where I'm, I'm more happy to say, you know, I don't know what happens after I die, but I'm, if I were to put money on it, I would say nothing. Nothing happens after I die. When I die, you know, the, the, the electricity between the synapses goes away and I vanish, right? So we have this one life that we know of for sure. We have this one moment in this material existence to make a difference. That is incredibly satanic in my view. That is part of a carnal religion. And meditation for me can become very satanic in that it helps me it helps me be here. It be here now, as Ram Das said, right? And the most beautiful experiences that I think I've ever had in meditation have been the ones where nothing extraordinary happened, but where things have simply been removed where the obscuring anxieties and fixations were removed. And there was one moment in particular that I remember where one evening, and this actually happened, you know, a few months ago, just one of the most meaningful experiences that I think I have ever had during meditation. And my partner was sitting next to me. We were in the bedroom. I was, it was the evening. The room was dimly lit, surrounded by our six cats. He was reading a book and I was meditating. And it was like I saw him and our relationship and our home 
and our cats for the first time. And just being in awe that I get to spend my life with this extraordinary man, this moment, in this home, in this family, with these cats, working the, the, the jobs that I work. And suddenly the realness and beauty of it was unveiled for me. That is what meditation has done for me. And so it, it's, it's allowed me to connect with this one life that I have. And that to me is just a, a deeply satanic thing, you know? hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. If, you know, this is a, a carnal path that we're on, you know, we're in these meat robots, you know, yep. this is, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if there's any other, uh, there's some other option out there, you know, uh, before or after who knows, but, but I do know that I'm in this body right now. And, and I know through meditation, I wasn't previously, uh, previous to meditation, let me say that, previous to meditation, I did not know what it was like to be in this body and be comfortable. After meditating for a while, and again, this wasn't my intention when I first started meditating, but I've been able to feel comfortable in my own skin. That's fucking satanic. That's self-empowerment yeah. for sure. Absolutely. And, and, and just what you're saying too, we, through meditation, we don't have to change the conditions we're in. And maybe, maybe through meditation, we start to see clearly when we do need to change our conditions. You know, if it is dangerous, if it's, if it's unhealthy, you know, that kind of thing. I'm in a, because of my practice, I found myself in a very healthy relationship. You know, somebody, somebody entered my life that was also on the same path. And, you know, and, and, and we, we were attracted to each other on all the healthy ways. You know, not, it wasn't our trauma that attracted us. It was the, the, the work and, and, you know, and, and together we, we've have this beautiful satanic empowering mutual relationship. And, and, you know, and again, I, I don't need to change the conditions I'm in, but, you know, I can, I can cultivate enough awareness to, to look out and like, yeah, I'm in a healthy relationship and I feel pretty good in my body right now. And, you know, I'm in a good conversation with a friend right now and, I don't need anything more than this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I really love the illustration that Joseph Goldstein gives where he, and I think I said this in the service that you recently led, where he gave the comparison of it's like sitting in a movie theater. And, you know, when you're in a movie theater and the movie is just super engrossing, we kind of enter a trance, right? And we forget that we're sitting in a movie theater. Meditation is like realizing that you are sitting in the movie theater and you are watching a movie. Nothing has changed. There, like nothing tangibly has actually changed about the situation. What changed was our relationship to it. And I think that's what you're describing is it's like coming out of that trance and that, that changes the relationship to the present moment and to your body. Yeah. Well, in that, that kind of, uh, that metaphor without, without mindfulness, without, without true, you know, uh, pure awareness, we're totally, uh, personified. We're, we're taking the movie personally. We think this, it's happening to us. This, this, you know, this action on the screen is happening to us. This, you know, I'm, I'm getting scared because of this thing. I'm getting worked up because of this thing. And, you know, and the reality is we're just watching this thing and, and I get to choose how I react and I don't have to take this personally. I don't need to, I can, I can watch this thing arise and pass. I can watch this thing that's difficult. I can watch this thing that's maybe even scary and I don't need to take it personally. I don't need to struggle with it. Yeah. That's freedom. Right. That is, that is, I think now is a great time to discuss your name, which I find wonderfully satanic and kind of the perfect fusion between satanism and buddhism tell us tell us what your name is and and who mahakala is yeah so you you did hear you know earlier i chose so by the way i chose elder i thought because I've, I've seen some other ministers don't you know they don't use the minister title you know they they use uh reverend or or uh i don't know how to pronounce it priest uh, Patrick's, uh, Pastrix. There we go. Uh, Vicar, Vicar, Sister Midnight. I love that. <laughs> so I thought I'm going to use Elder, right? That this this title that was used in my, the religion I was raised and abused in. I'm going to take the power back on this thing. And uh, 
Yeah, and, and you know, and the fact of the matter is when, when we're ordained as ministers, we're still called ministers by TST. So. Yeah, so, <laughs> we have the most boring name. We're just ministers in TST. I'm, I'm technically a minister elder Mahakala, so I have two titles. Perfect. <laughs> but uh, Mahakala is a, and this isn't the tradition I follow, by the way. In the Tibetan tradition, which is full of all kinds of symbols and, and, and uh, figures and deities, and things that the Buddha, the Buddha didn't teach this stuff, by the way. Mm-hmm. This is stuff that, that's been added later. They also don't think these are real things. These are symbolic things. You know, so like uh, one of my favorite figures uh, is Kuan Yin. Uh, Kuan Yin is a, is a like a female form of the Buddha. kind of looks like the Virgin Mary in a lot of images. And she hears the cries of the world. You know, she does. She doesn't just take take in the cries of the world, but she she you know meets it with compassion and and you know and, and meets it with a, a motherly response. You know, so I I love that. Um, but Mahakala is a uh, a Buddhist fierce god of compassion. Again, they, that it's no, nothing that anybody worships or thinks is real, but but it is fierce compassion. And in this figure, it looks like a monster. You know, he usually has like uh, he's got like a sword. You know, and that that cuts through delusion. And, he looks like an uh, evil bulldog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, got all these skulls on a crown, and uh, you know, and that, and that kind of thing. But but you know, it's a a, a fierce god of compassion. Again, tenant one to to embody and cultivate empathy and and uh, compassion uh, within reason. You know, I get that finding balance. Also, interestingly, with the the Buddhist path is uh, referred to as the middle path. Hmm. It's not falling all the way into indulgence and debauchery, which I found in, with Church of Satan. And then, you know, and it's not total renunciation. It's not just, you know, I got to cut everything out kind of thing. Yeah. It's it finding a healthy a, balance. It isn't being a Trappist monk. It's It's somewhere in the middle. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's what I found. TST is the 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 middle path in Buddhism, and I'm sorry, the middle path in Satanism. <laughs> yes, I agree with that completely. It's it's a, and I know I keep coming back to this in the show and in my writing, but for me personally, it's so much about just the reconciliation of opposites, as symbolized within Baphomet himself or themselves. And, you know, we have male and female, light and dark, demonic, angelic, and all of these kind of polarities coming together within that symbol and the reconciliation and the tension within those. And I think that TST as a community really embodies that as well. You know, just listening to you talk about psychedelics and meditation, and this is this is a strange question, but I've heard a lot of people say that, you know, when they take, you know, whatever, five grams of mushrooms, that they come back from that with just this unshakable sense that they're they 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 come back from that no longer agnostic about, say, God or some supernatural reality or some reality beyond what we experience, be it machine elves with David McKenna when he took DMT <laughs> or, you know, whatever the ed, whatever the case may be. And I've heard some people also have similar experiences with meditation where it, it's like they they come back from some mountaintop experience. And I also want to be really cautious when I talk about mountaintop experiences, because I don't think that those are actually the point of of meditation. And I think that if we start chasing those, that becomes its own form of suffering in itself, right? And so I I think that the point of meditation is really the self-knowledge that it generates. But there are mountaintop experiences that can take place, just those like beatific, self-transcendent, extraordinary moments of bliss and union, be it through contemplative practice or through psychedelics. And so many people come back from those experiences saying that they are pretty much convinced that that there is more to this world than the physical I believe that they had that experience, but I'm agnostic on the truth claims. But I'm wondering if you have ever had those experiences of just coming coming back from one of these experiences and being like, machine elves are real. I met them. <laughs> and, and if so, what do you make of that experience? Because I, I see this as one of the challenges 
actually, of psychedelics and to a lesser degree of contemplative practice. I am most comfortable in a very restrained agnosticism. But some of these experiences are just so powerful. The William James called them the noetic experiences, where you just know that you know that you know that you know that what you experienced was real during these experiences, whether it's talking to aliens or, you know, gigantic skyscraper, tall, jeweled arachnids doing spiritual surgery on you or whatever the fuck, right? You know that you know that that shit was real. Have you had an experience like that? And what do you do with that? Yeah. So great question. Big, big subject. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I can just give my perspective, right? I mean, you are asking me my, my experience. Have I had peak experiences? Yeah. Uh, both with psychedelics and, and with uh, meditation. I've never seen the elves. I've wanted to, you know, I've never seen the purple lady, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, uh, I've, I've tried, I've indulged so, you know, previous to getting sober, I ate tons of mushrooms, tons of acid, and I never talked to God. You know, I don't, I didn't believe in God, <laughs> but I don't believe in God, but, but, uh, yeah. So I've never had that, but I have experienced, uh, previous to meditation, I've experienced deep insights into interconnection, you know, feeling, uh, you know, experiencing that, that boundless interconnection of all beings, you know, I've had glimpses of that on, on, uh, hallucinogens. What I've found that the, the experiences I've had through meditation have been one thing has, has definitely been one a, a difference between the two through meditation it's been a lot more wholesome and and also the effects the 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 long-term effects the shifts of perception that stay are are way more stable and consistent with meditation the the one thing and I still work, I work with a lot of people that, that use plant medicines. And, and unfortunately, what I've seen people have, you know, they go on their, their first ayahuasca retreat and, and they come back and they're like, you know, all of a sudden they're growing their hair long and they're getting all the, yep. you know, uh, the, the, the uh, sacred geometry tattoos and, and all over. Sacred geometry <laughs> and they're talking all about, you know, mother ayahuasca. And, 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 and they've got ayahuasca. the downloads and they know the secrets of the universe. Yeah. And then they keep doing it again and again and again and again. And they're chasing after these peak experiences. And it seems to kind of dilute any any insights that they've gotten. That, that's my perception. Anyway. Yeah, no, that that's my perception as well. And just to, you know, clarify, I've never done psychedelics. I don't think I can do them. I think it's too dangerous for me because... I, I have a propensity towards psychosis, so it it's just too dangerous. And well, that, yeah, yeah, that's the other big thing too. People don't know if they have dormant schizophrenia or something like that. Oh, yeah. They could get triggered through hallucinogens. Yeah, absolutely. Just, and yeah. and so you know, I'm a big believer in psychedelics as someone who has watched their benefits in others, but there has to be a lot of caution and research. And so, you know, there's like a, a research institute, I think at like John Hopkins that's doing these longitudinal stuff and medical and and so on for, you know, mental health. And that's all I'm a big believer in all of that. But totally. you know, I when 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 I see people and I've done this too, right? So I come out of the charismatic and Pentecostal Christian tradition, and let me tell you, that is uh, chasing the dragon, if there ever was one, but it's like, you know, shaking and speaking in tongues and having those mountaintop bliss experiences and just having your your neurons fried by whatever whatever physiological phenomenon is going on there. I wrote a whole article about that last week, actually, called Mysticism is Like Sex. <laughs> and... <laughs> Great article, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Um, got a fantastic response in the Discord, by the way. The chasing of those mountaintop experiences is is trying to, in the words of Sam Harris, wake up from the dream using the logic of the dream. All, you know, I think it's problematic, too, if you are completely dependent on a substance to... You're completely on a de uh, on, dependent on a substance, and if your end goal is for those peak experiences, that's very conditional. You know, with, where whereas with, with meditation.
meditation that doesn't take any substance. You don't need to you don't need to go to a special area to meditate. You can just do this at home uh, or a secluded spot. And, you know, again, you're, you're without any substance and it's something that you can repeat again and again and again. And anybody that's been meditating a long time will realize that 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 peak experience is great. And if you try and chase that again and again and again, your your practice will not allow you to do that. That's true. If, if you're if you're putting in a bunch of effort to to reach those peak experiences, it's the carrot before the horse. You're just gonna you're gonna push yourself away from it more, and and it's gonna be irritating. You're going to you're gonna stress yourself out. It's it's not gonna feel good in your body if you're you're efforting if you're chasing this this kind of thing. So you know meditation mindfulness anyway there's a million different forms of meditation i'm talking about mindfulness i'm talking about vipassana yeah i'm talking about insight meditation um it boils down to letting go letting go some more letting go of that more and more and more yeah and <laughs> so and just it's not chasing it's not efforting yep. it's 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 you know and and the more that you do it the the more that you start to see the you, you start realizing the the immediate benefits of it you know not the peak experiences but the stuff that you and i were talking about just you know feeling less stressed and and more comfortable and 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 more you're not cultivating more happiness you're just starting to realize oh i'm i'm actually i'm feeling happy right now here and here even like these little subtle levels of happiness i am already happy yeah yeah Yeah. Uh, i'm already peaceful this this peacefulness is already here yes definitely well, I mean, we can clearly talk about meditation for for eons and eons. I mean, this is this is one of my great passions and it's one of the things that has really changed my life. And so, but we should probably wrap this up, but I would love to have you on again at some point we can continue this conversation. We can continue the conversation about satanic contemplative practice as well and what how how we might explore this as satanists specifically. So there's a lot to discuss. Yeah. Self-care and and self-compassion, especially. Definitely. All right. Well, do you have any social medias or or anything that you want to push or any 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 place that you want to direct people can be your work or your your uh, presence online or or something else? Yeah, I would, uh, I guess the immediate thing, if, uh, if you're in recovery and recovery is, you know, with, with sober faction, everybody gets to find recovery uh, however they want. You know, there's, there's no, there's no, it's not an abstinence-based program, uh, you know. So uh, if you're in recovery, and I like to say that we're all recovering from our minds, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. <laughs> I, I do a weekly group uh, Sunday. It's called Baphometa. Um, oh my God, I love that's, that. That's, that's another. <laughs> <laughs> we can go into that term maybe later. <laughs> uh, on Sundays we do yeah Baphometa weekly. Um, the you know the the Superfaction Facebook group. I post meditations on that as well. Um, right. Little right. short ones and longer ones from from the group. Uh, I'm on Twitter uh, Elder Mahakala on Twitter uh, Facebook Elder Mahakala. Um, my Buddhist TikTok. <laughs> uh-huh. maybe, 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 I, I think I need to start a, a my, my satanic TikTok uh, soon. So yeah, look for look for Elder Mahakala on TikTok soon. But um, my my Buddhist stuff is uh, Boundless Heart Dharma. Um, so Beautiful. yeah, you can find that in a few different areas as well. But beautiful. Yeah. Well, this has been great. And, right? Otherwise, you yes. can find me in Stevens. Uh, discord group for for this oh yeah group. absolutely yeah you're another <laughs> you're attention. another community you're another community member for the podcast um yeah fantastic community go to the discord server there's a link in the show notes all right well i so appreciate your time and it means a lot to me that you uh spent this time with me so thank you so much well it's good to connect with a friend so I, I appreciate you and I appreciate our our burgeoning friendship. And yeah, I appreciate everything that you do. Likewise. All right. Well, the music 
is by Eleven D Seven. You can find them on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to music. This show is written, produced, and edited by me, Stephen Bradford Long, and it is a production of Rock Candy Recordings. And it is supported by my patrons at patreon.com forward slash Stephen Bradford Long. And as always, hail Satan. Hail Satan. And thanks for listening. Thank you.